Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to Season 9 of the Firetime Podcast. Well, it is crazy to think about how much ground has been covered on the podcast. My hope is that you've enjoyed our summer series that we had on rapid reactions to Firetime Magazine audio articles. It was super fun to get to do that. And like I said, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of value in there. And, and hopefully you guys were able to have a better summer in your business because of it. Now, today's episode is actually really interesting because we plan this completely last minute. For the last month, we have been planning out season nine. We had an order and a rhythm to it. And all of a sudden, the issue that we are going to talk about today came up to me seemingly out of nowhere. And it was important enough that our team felt like we actually need to push the entire season back one week to deal with this. So in next week's episode, you are going to hear episode one of season nine. We have two episode ones because this this is worth talking about right now. So with that said, I want to jump into the subject of today's episode, which is our cordwood tested wood stoves, inserts and fireplaces going away. And the answer is yes. With an asterisk. Now, there's nuance to this conversation, and I want to back up just a little bit and talk about where things are at. So, this conversation today is going to deal with EPA approval of wood burning appliances in the United States. Now, in the US, we have had two different test methods to get your wood appliance certified a crib fuel test and a cordwood test. Now, we'll get into more details in the interview you're about to listen to, but the thing to know is that in recent history, there have been two different test methods that could be used to certify a wood stove, cord wood or crib fuel. Now, in this conversation, we are going to get into the details of what is happening specifically around wood stoves that have been tested to cord wood and what you need to do about it. Now, a couple of notes about this conversation. You're going to hear an interview with Chris Newfeld, and Chris has been on the podcast before. He is the co-chair of the HPBA solid fuel section. This is the person who co-represents our entire industry on these issues. So we literally went straight to the top to get this information. In addition to that, I invited Patrick Ryan, a retailer out of the Northeast, to be a part of the conversation because... I wanted to have real questions being asked that many of you listening as retailers and and distributors as well would likely have as this information is coming to you. Now, Patrick actually is a guest on this upcoming season of the podcast. And as I was recording this, I make a comment that he's been on the podcast before. And it's because I thought that we were going to air this episode, you know, later on. But the more that we got into this conversation and the more that I started thinking about it, it was like, man... We got to push this thing forward so people can hear about it right now. So hopefully you get a really good understanding of what's going on and you hear, you know, honest questions from the retailer perspective. You can hear Chris talk about things from the regulatory perspective and as someone who works for a manufacturer, just what is going on. And the third thing I want to mention before we get started is that this talk is really important and most of your sales reps likely know nothing about it. So Listen to this episode and start the conversation. Start the conversation, but give them grace, right? Because this is a major, major issue that we need to be communicating about so that no one gets left in a bad spot. But we have to start the conversation. And if you're listening to this as a retailer or a distributor, you need to push for the answers that you deserve. Now, if you're listening to this as a manufacturer, the cool thing is that you can start to get proactive on this communication and build all kinds of trust with the people that you serve. Now, I have a lot of thoughts about this issue. 
And I want to wait until after you hear the conversation to get into them. So I'm going to jump out of the way so you can hear this interview about the future of wood-burning appliances in the United States. And at the end of it, I'll get back on and give you some parting thoughts. So get out a pen and paper, get ready to share this episode. This conversation is extremely important. Hey, everybody. So joining me here in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, is Chris Newfeld with Blaze King and Patrick Ryan with The Stove Shop. You know, being here at the Chimney Expo has been super, super fun. And Chris, I feel like I get to see you in person, never in our home state, which we actually share a state, yeah. but it's always on the road. And truly, whenever I need any questions answered regarding wood burning and what's going on with government regulations and, and testing parameters, man, you're the guy that I go to. So thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Jim. Yeah. And, and Patrick, you know, we've had you on the podcast as a, as a guest before. Can you just talk a little bit about yourself and about the, the business that you, you work in? Sure. I'm in a family uh, retail shop and um, we're just trying our best to keep the lights on and uh, service our community. Cool. And you're right, right here locally, right? We Pennsylvania. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, for me, in, in my job now, I, I do a lot of work traveling and, and working with retailers. And from coming coming to this show, I felt like there's been just a lot of questions and frankly, even misinformation about questions regarding like wood burning testing and EPA certifications and what's happening with different test methods. And so it's awesome to sit down with you, Chris, because you've got such a role in dealing with the government affairs section of our industry to talk about what's happening. And I think the goal of this would be to just let retailers know, hey, what should I be looking at as we move through the next you know, two to five years regarding wood burning testing? And really, I'm kind of coming into this as a learner, and I'm sure that you are too, Patrick. And you know, we felt like it was really important to have someone from a manufacturer and someone from a retailer to have a conversation about it. So Chris, could you first just talk about what is your role specifically in working with our industry and EPA and other manufacturers in the solid fuel section? Um, so for the several years now, I've been the co-chair of the solid fuel section at HPBA. I'm also on the Government Affairs Committee. I was previously involved in the Northwest HPBA. Um, I enjoy being in that role. I enjoy being uh, proactive in helping retailers and others understand the complexity of some of the stuff that's going on. And Based on the conversations I've had this week with dealers, there's a lot of complexity and confusion going on. Yeah, I, I think that complexity is the right word. You know, I, I feel like when it comes to wood burning standards and regulations, I, I really lean on you and HPBA and other folks that are that are in it a lot deeper than me. But I think for the average retailer, there are a bunch of questions. And so where I kind of wanted to start is this. Like I know that there was tons of just, you know, hullabaloo with NSPS step one, step two, we, we finally moved past that. It seems like we have a path forward with, with wood burning regulation, but then we jump into Nescom and the EPA and the Alaska list. There's just a lot of different things out there. And I guess to start out, can, can you talk to us about what's happening with the testing standards? Like, it, you know, for, we, we had a, a cordwood test method and a crib wood test method. And first off, maybe you could define those a little bit and yeah, and yeah just take it from there. So um, from 1984, the state of Oregon developed OM7, which was the test method, which was uh, participated in the development where uh, state agency folks, test labs, and industry. And the idea behind testing wood stoves in 1984 in the state of Oregon was to have a method that would allow you to have the ability for the consumer to compare a product to a product. Got it. Um, so they came up with a test method that uses dimensional lumber. Depending upon the firebox, it could be all four by fours or four by fours and two by fours or just two by fours if it's a small enough firebox. This crib fuel method was designed not to represent what the emissions are in the real world, but to minimize variability within the testing of one stove compared to another. That was the purpose of it. That continued all the way through until 2015. In 2015, from 2010 to 15, during the promulgation of the NSPS, there was an attempt to try and figure out how our EPA-certified clean-burning wood stoves perform in the real world. And Rod Tinnemore from Washington State Ecology, who's since retired, said, I want to know how these stoves burn in Washington State burning Douglas fir. 
And then other people asked, well, how do they burn on maple? How do they burn on oak? And that was the impetus in the beginning of developing a cordwood test method. And our industry worked very hard through the ASTM process and came up with a test method. And there were multiple states involved. The federal agency EPA was involved in the development of that. And there were lots and lots of meetings for years and years. And eventually we came up with an ASTM 3053, which is a cordwood method. That test method we thought had eliminated a lot of variability. It wasn't as concise or as accurate in prediction of one dose performance to another is a crude fuel test. But given that they also wanted the results to kind of give an indication of how they perform in the real world, yeah. it was the best that we could do at the time. Sure. And then there was a review of EPA brought to EPA's attention of some oddities in some of the test reports. And as a result of an investigation launched by EPA of all 100% of the test reports of certified wood heaters, EPA in December of last year, so that would be 2021, deemed that the alternative test method using cordwood was no longer going to be allowed. Okay. Um, additionally, they made a statement and made clarity clear to the industry that they would um, not be renewing the certificates of those wood heaters. When a manufacturer tests a wood stove and it is applied to at EPA with your test report for certification. Once it's certified, it's good for five years. Once you have a five-year certificate, after the fifth year or in the end of the fifth year, you could historically write to EPA and say, we'd like to continue making this model XYZ or making no changes to it whatsoever. And EPA would grant you a five-year extension. Mind you, there's never th- and nothing in the rule that says they have to do this. Got it. They've always just done They've just done it because nothing changed in the stove and it was tested to the standard. Correct. So because of some oddities and results that were seen in the test reports by outside agencies and brought to the attention of EPA, EPA suspended the test method and furthermore made it very clear that there were four conditions under which they would no longer renew a certificate. The first one being that if you're stove was tested to 3053, the cordwood method, you will not be receiving an extension on that certificate. So really quick, just I want to stop this real fast. So uh, if a a stove was tested via cordwood, it basically has a five-year window of sunsetting unless they will retest it under this new method. Is that correct? That is correct. And I I got more questions on that, but sorry, keep keep going. I I want to go back to that. Okay. So the cordwood, the cordwood tested stove could have been tested as early as let's say 2017. Sure. And that certificate would not expire until five years later from the date of issuance. So somebody, a manufacturer who tested a stove in 2020 um, has until 2025 to make that stove. So there's some latitude depending upon when the certificate was issued as to when it expires. Yep. Okay. Yep. What other question? Would you have? Well, so sorry. You said there was four. There was four. Oh, yeah. I want to just go through the criteria first, and then I got some okay. questions. I'm sure you do too, Patrick. So, so the I'm second, they're not telling us. <laughs> <laughs> the, se- the second condition for not being able to get a renewal on a certificate is that if your stove was crit fuel tested and you had a result of your emissions of 1.9 grams or higher as a result, that too will not be renewed by EPA. And sorry, to interject again real quick. The standard is that it has to be two grams or less. On crib fuel? On crib fuel. And cordwood 2.5. Yeah. So basically, if you're on the threshold, then they're saying we're not going to renew. Correct. And yeah. Okay. So 1.9 and higher. Yep. So anything that was cordwood tested or anything 1.9 or higher. Correct. Okay. Okay. The the third disqualifier, if I could use that term, of getting a renewal would be that in the review process that EPA undertook of all the test reports, they found mistakes in all of them. And they categorized those, and the term they used was deficiencies. Okay. There are either a minor deficiency, a moderate deficiency, or a major deficiency as outlined by EPA. Okay. They also published a report, a document for guidance for manufacturers to look at, and it says specifically, this is what happened in the test report that we observed, we consider that minor, address that with us, and we'll correct that in your test report. 
if it's something moderate or something major, then they have said we will not renew certificates with any of those deficiencies. Okay. And the last and final one is if a manufacturer were to allow their certificate to expire, historically, EPA would say, well, let us go back and look at that. You know, let's say you your certificate expires in December of 2021. And in January, you go through your paperwork, you go, oh, darn, yeah. it expired two months ago. Historically, EPA would would be gracious enough to go back and review your request sure. and more than likely give you another five-year extension. Yeah. However, they've made it abundantly clear they will not do that in the future. Got it. So, can, I, can I quickly ask? Yeah, go for it. How does this... If if my if a stove I sell becomes expired, as a retailer, what do I like? If I want to sell that stove, am I just not able to sell that anymore? Like, what happens? Thank you, Patrick. Uh, so HPBA went to EPA for clarification on that, and our industry is used to somewhat of a term called sell through. Yep. The rule is very very clear. It says, "Thou shalt not sell it after the date of expiration," and EPA said has defined back to HPBA and said. Sell is defined as the manufacturer selling it, the dealer selling it, or distributor selling it. And we're all in the same boat. So there is no latitude or sell-through or anything to the date of expiration. Well, I would assume then the manufacturer would buy back the product that we can no longer sell. I, 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 I'm right? not going to comment on that. <laughs> yeah. In my role in the industry, I can't comment on what other people will or will not do. It, it's, it's important to recognize that there's nowhere the date that a certificate expires is published. Got it. Okay. There's only one source for that, and that is the manufacturer. Okay. So if you have a product in your showroom and it is cordwood tested mm-hmm. or it's crib fuel and it's tested one point, and it's 1.9. 1. 1.9 or higher. Or if there was a moderate well, or... We'll oh, okay. Okay. So for those two conditions, you would say to your sales rep from the companies that you represent, can you please obtain for me the date of expiration of this certificate. And that way I know that I have to sell that. Now, again, we're not creating hysteria here because quite candidly, there's only a handful expire this year, but then more will expire next year sure. and the year after that. So there, there needs to be communication absolutely between the manufacturers and the dealers. Recently, I was in a meeting where HPBA made it very clear that they hope the manufacturers will be communicating with the distributors and dealers about those. And that was to the manufacturers in the section. That's true. Okay. That's true. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I mean, as I've been thinking about this, me and me and Patrick were actually talking this morning a little bit before, before coming on, there's just, there's a lot of questions going through my head. And, um, I I think a big one is like, like you said, it's not that there needs to be panic or hysteria, but you know, there is, there is a sunsetting window on these. And there's a point of clarification that I wanted to make as I'm trying to process this. So let's, let's say my stove that I sell was tested to crib fuel. So it's, it's sunsets in three years or five years, whatever, whatever the expiration date is. So could that manufacturer not just get it retested under the, 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 sorry, did I say crib fuel? You did. I'm you sorry. Meant I meant cordwood. Yeah. So, so if, if my product was tested under cordwood and so I know in five years or whatever, it, it's going to sunset and not be renewed. Could that manufacturer not just retest the exact same stove under crib fuel? And if it passes, can I continue to sell? You can sell the crib fuel tested version. So that's the point of clarification I want to make. So be, so even though it's the same stove, my label on the back of the stove, it, it, it does not meet the testing standard. Well, no, it, meet, it met the standard for which it was certified. Co- correct. So on the back on the label, it says this stove was tested to US EPA a, a cordwood test method. And, you know, it has, it says cordwood on it yep. or it says crib fuel on it. And as a retailer, I can't drill and, and rivet out the tag and, and add a new one, can I? <laughs> no, you cannot. And that, that, that's a, that, that's a federal offense, isn't it? Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming it would be a federal offense. Yeah. We'll get back to our conversation with Chris Newfeld and Patrick Ryan in just one minute. Hey, if you're listening to this episode and thinking, my God, goodness, how was I not aware of this issue? And where do we go from here? How do we start the conversation? Well, the first thing that you can do is go to itsfiretime.com slash EPA list, and you can get all of the information there. So 
At that link, we actually have a video recording of this conversation. It was had live in Pennsylvania at the Chimney Expo in August. And you can also download the entire EPA list of certified wood-burning products and put a filter on it to see the manufacturers that you sell. And this way, you understand which models you need to ask about. Now, in addition to that, if you've been trying to figure out how do I stay in the loop of what's going on in general with our industry, you got to subscribe to the Firetime magazine. This is a digital magazine that we put out 100% for free every single month. You can go to itsfiretime.com slash magazine and either download the app so it's delivered to your smartphone every single month. You can subscribe to the email list so that whenever a new issue comes out, you get emailed and you can read it on your web browser. Or finally, you can subscribe to our sister podcast, the Firetime Magazine Podcast, and listen to audio articles of all of the content every single month. So if you want to stay in the loop on what's going on, make sure to subscribe to the Firetime Magazine. Patrick, maybe I'll open it up to you. So the way that I'm understanding this is basically if one of my stoves meets those three criteria, four criteria, criteria, there's a sunset date. And, and, And maybe that same stove gets retested under the new standard and it passes, but it doesn't help my existing inventory or the manufacturer's existing inventory of that. Or distribute. So yes. So, so if there's a sunset date, we just need to make sure that all parties know this is when it's going away and we have to communicate and sell, sell through that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to be clear, you have those four conditions. And one of those says, depending upon what deficiencies they found in your test report. Yeah. The manufacturers know whether or not they have a minor, moderate or major deficiency that would or would not preclude them from being able to get a extension on that certificate. The only way Patrick here is a dealer of certain brands of products can know that is to contact the manufacturer and say, for the line, model line XYZ, I'm, I need to know when that certificate expires so that I have it on my schedule that I don't uh, have one in stock or on the showroom floor after that date. Yeah. So we're going to have to redo our whole display, our whole showroom, like everything with all these units that they, as soon as they expire, it's... Well, before they expire. Yeah. And so then that's what I would wonder, before they expire, right? So I assume a manufacturer knows they're expiring, and at year four, before they expire on year five, at year four, they should stop selling that product to the retailer, right? Or at the very least, be be getting on a new test to start getting those new products out the door. Because I would worry, as a retailer, I don't know which ones I'm buying. Am I buying the cord wood method or the crib wood method version of the stove? When I get it in my showroom and it expires the next day... Right, like say that could it could conceivably happen that they sell sell me one and I get it and it's expired. You know, next day goes by and it's gone. Are they going to offset that? Like I assume there's some strategy involved here or some new. Well, each 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 manufacturer will undertake a communications program through their reps or directly with their dealers about how they're going to administer this chain of information. I guarantee that that will happen. The question is when will it happen? And there are certificates that are expiring this year. Right, like retailers could be unknowingly breaking the law by selling some of these units. I guess that's potentially <laughs> the case. Uh, if the manufacturer doesn't say anything. I, I think the manufacturers, every one of our manufacturers in this industry, everyone built super clean, burning, highly predictable performing wood appliances. And I'm certain that they are all responsible enough that they're going to absolutely give the information to the dealers in a, in a method or a, in a timeline that works for them. Yeah. But at this point, that's not known, right? right. So that's why. So it's the unknown of not knowing. Yeah, just the, wins, the unknown. Yeah, when's the sunset date? When's like, the sunset as date? As I'm buying yeah. these units and I'm stocked because, of, of course, we all know supply issues I, are an issue, right? I'm buying units and stocking units for maybe a year or more yeah. uh, in some cases. So it'd be, you know. Beneficial yeah. to know that this entire these- week when I traveled through New York State with our sales reps, this kept coming up at every stop. Yeah, and one in particular individual who had just gone through technical training and sales training with a manufacturer this last week, this same week, said, This is what I understand it to be, and it wasn't completely yeah. accurate. This is what I understand it to be. You have to understand that the cordwood method that came out 
has a vast degree more variability than the crib metal. I'll give you an example of the complexity here. When you test with a crib fuel tested stove, when you're testing with crib fuel, and you put the stove on a scale and you get your fire started, you don't have a cold start. It's The stove is warmed up. And you have that cold bedding, you put 50 pounds of weight of fuel in that stove. Again, it's not always 50, it's based on this firebox fire. But you put 50 pounds of fuel in that stove and you burn that stove until the scale reads zero. So it has to come, it has to burn it all down. When you test in the cordwood method, the test is deemed over when you burn 90% of the fuel. So if we put the exact same amount of fuel into a crib stove in terms of weight, and also into a cordwood stove. Wow. Yeah, when the cordwood stove is 90% burned yeah, of its fuel load, it's over. So if your BTUs on your literature or advertising of your efficiencies now are all predicated on that, a stove that has a very long tail at the end of the burn and takes an extra five, six, eight hours before it gets back to zero, it's total input divided by duration equals BTUs. So, so your BTUs are lower on that. Your BTUs are going to be way yeah. lower on that. And, it, and it's kind of disingenuous because certain people will promote the fact that they have higher BTUs knowing darn well that their cordwood tested heater had a different endpoint. Got it. And, and, for, and again, the crib fuel method allowed the customer that went into your store mm-hmm. and looked at three different wood heaters on the floor to know that they were like for like. Apples to apples. Yeah. Yep. Not exactly the same apple every time, but pretty darn close. And it's not their apple. Though. Like it's, it's, you know what I mean? Like the apple they're putting in the stove is, is, is cordwood. Yeah. Almost. I mean, I've never burned crib wood myself. <laughs> Nobody burns no, crib yeah. Right. So why are we, I guess maybe I'm stupid, but I'll, I'm willing to ask this question. Why would, I understand there's standardizations, but why would we ever test something that no one does? I understand that you want to compare things, but to me, it seems like we're testing. It's it's a little bit more difficult. For example, in the new test method that's being developed and it's being worked on, EPA is spending a lot of money on this. There's a lot of testing going on. I'm sure manufacturers have begun to play with this new method. It's called the Integrated Duty Cycle, IDC. And this method, although not finalized, it's certainly not an FRM, which is a federal reference method yet, but EPA is working to come up with a federal reference method. They want to use the species maple as the vanilla, I think is the term they use, the vanilla fuel for testing of stuff. The problem is you have big leaf maple in the eastern states and you have silver maple. And I can go because I burned it in the western states yeah. and they're not comparable. So if you have a firebox and you're testing with uh, fuels of varying specific gravities, but within the same realm of acceptable specific gravity, you may not be able to get as much weight into the stove for and weight equals BTUs with one type of maple as you would another. Interesting. Yeah. So I guess so to rein it back in, I think the practical takeaway for retailers is we should be proactive trying to find, hey, of the products that I sell, you know, how do I find the sunset date to make sure that we're communicating and, and moving through these accordingly? And Chris, there's a way to do it. What I want to do here is share my screen and have you walk me through it. So what you told me to do here is you told me, first off, to let me just go over here no, to my Patrick, you paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna write it all down. Well, so what you Hopefully told me re-watch. what you told me to do here was basically to go to Google, type in EPA approved wood stoves. Right. And scroll down a little bit and click on that one right there that says EPA. That one EPA certified wood stoves. Yeah. Okay. So now that we jump on to now scroll down again, this site, okay, ignore all that. And at the very bottom it says list. There you go. Click on that one. List of certified wood heaters. Yeah. And then scroll down again. I don't know why they make us jump through so many hoops. Sure. Hoops. There it is right there at the bottom. Oh, this, the database. EPA database. certified wood go. heater database. Okay. Okay. And then you're going to look at either, <laughs> you're going to look at either room heaters or central heaters. So click on room heaters. Room heaters. Wood stoves and wood inserts. So about here. six clicks deep to get here. Right. And then go down to, let's say, current 2020 stoves. Okay. I'm going right. to copy and paste that URL. And yeah. That and now scroll down to the bottom of that page and hit export as, as a, a spreadsheet. spreadsheet. Okay. So this spreadsheet will give me... Every stove that is currently EPA certified. Wood, wood stove, and pellet stove. And tell me how it was tested. And tell you how it was tested. Okay, so we download this, and it's going to give us an Excel file. Right. Now, 
what you did for me for the example of this is you you took the Excel file, you you removed pellet, and then you highlighted for me all the stoves that were cordwood tested or 1.9 grams per hour crib fuel. Is that right? Correct. You can go to that. And and also I, I should mention there are pellet stoves that are greater 1.9 or higher. Okay. So they will not be eligible for renewal. Okay. Yeah, and I do not know if there were pellet stoves that had test report deficiencies of moderate or major. Okay. Would also not be eligible for reason. Do they show that in the report also, the moderate, major, and minor? No, they do not. It's just, it's just it, a deficiency. It's known to the manufacturer. Interesting. So we don't actually know. You, the consumer, right. you, the dealer, would not know. You'd have to get that from the manufacturer. And okay. they're under no obligation to tell us. Right? Well, so. <laughs> you keep trying to get me run over here. <laughs> so looking at this, so here's what you did. So basically, I just threw a filter on this. I highlighted the first row. I went to format, or I to sort and filter, and I threw a filter on. So what we can do here is you've highlighted every stove because we have this column right here for fuel type. And so of all the EPA certified stoves, let's go through this whole list. You see all those ones that say cordwood. There's quite a few. And then here's cribwood. And then at the bottom here is cribwood that is 1.9 or two. So like just zooming back and let's just look at this. I love that you highlighted this for me, Chris. It makes it really easy. So like zooming back, I mean, it looks like, 60% 60% of the stoves, well, down roughly? At the bottom, down at the bottom, I have the numbers for you. It says there's 170. Oh, yeah. Okay, 171 certified EPA heaters. Right. And there's 102 cordwood, and then there's 15 cribwood. So out of 170. cribwood that are 1.9 or higher. Yes, correct, correct, correct. Okay. So so looking. So, so the tips. So the ones that have no highlighting, uh, those are crib fuel tested stoves. That are between zero and one point eight 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 or whatever, and you'll see that there's no highlight on those. Yeah, but we don't know if those have moderate or major deficiencies. Sure. Yep. So as a retailer, it seems like for me, so like, and I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw some brands out. We're gonna be brand agnostic here, but like, let's just sell. Let's say that I sell uh, Hearthstone, Vermont Castings, and I don't know whatever else. Blazeking. There we go. So, so if we just go to our filter right here, we'll deselect everything. Oh, whoops. I'm on the wrong thing. We'll go to, uh, we'll go to manufacturer and I would just simply say, oh, okay. I sell, you know, Hearthstone. I sell Blaze King and I sell, um, what did I say for the other brand? Uh, oh, VC. Yeah. 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 Um, Oh, that'd be, that'd be uh, HHT, right? Hearth and technologies. Okay. So I sell these brands. So essentially I would look at my list here. And anything that's highlighted. Yeah, close your text box. Oh, thank you, Chris. Search box. So yeah, anything that's highlighted there, I just call the manufacturer and say, hey, can I get the date of expiration? And you actually created a column here for us, certificate of expiration date. So that way we can get that date one by one. But it seems like to me what I should also do is call up on these units and just say, hey, on these fireplaces, was there a moderate or a significant? Major. Major, a moderate or major deficiency deficiency in the test that will keep you from being able to renew being able to renew it they don't give me a timeline at all either but but that date you can see you have the x's column yep and that is where you would put in the date for those yeah you would put the date for the cordwood what uh cordwood tested and crib fuel 1.9 and higher in that column yeah then you have a total list of expiration dates for the products on your your manufacturer to help them move their inventory you work with your distributor to help them move their uh, distrib- the distributor's inventory. You're doing all that, communicating, working with them, helping them, promoting their product. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't get surprised by saying, oh, darn, I've got three of these on the f- back in the back room and two on the floor, and I can't sell them after tomorrow. Yeah. So, you know, and what I would say is, again, like watching this video, you can see how how this works. But I would say, you know, if you talk to your reps, I'd imagine that they could get this information pretty easily. And this might take you, you know, to export this spreadsheet like we did. It'll just take you 10 minutes to do. But I think that that's worth doing because, you know, if, if your products are being sunsetted in one to five years, like it's, it's good to know that just for inventory and planning purposes. And, and keep in mind right now, the manufacturers know all this information. The labs are very, very busy. Yeah. <laughs> Again, these are all professionally run companies, and they are all right now seeking renewal uh, or recertification of these wood heaters. So there is a, no lapse in time frame of availability. Yeah. So, there, so, but what I want to make really clear is that is that if if a stove is being sunset due to the the test method, even if that stove was retested under the 
crib standard, it doesn't help the existing inventory that is that's marked correct. as that, that inventory that is, is dead. That's correct. And I want to make one observation too, because you said crib twice now, meaning like there, in a manufacturer can still ask for an alternative test method from EPA. Oh, okay. And in fact, uh, if I can mention it, I believe Stove Builders International has shared this. SBI has shared that they are seeking approval to use an alternative test method, an ATM. And since they made that known to the entire industry at a meeting recently, I think I can talk about it here. Sure. And, and that's wonderful because they're basically saying we want to use the species beach and we want to test this wood heater and we want to test it under these parameters. EPA will not take that and make it broadly applicable, which is what they did with the ASDM, meaning Got it. all of us could use it. Now they're going to make it unit specific. Okay, but they're saying to this manufacturer, in this case, either yes or no, you can do that. Correct. Okay, that's good and, to know. And that's because they're requesting that. So any manufacturer can do that between now and the time that their certificate would expire and is not eligible for renewal. But again, just to clarify, even if that happens, it does not help the existing inventory. For the third time, yes, I know. And so to better understand that, as 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 the person who's buying the stuff, I have inventory sitting in my in my warehouse, um, and I'm going to buy a new inventory in the future. I imagine I need to know what the timeline is. That seems to be the most important thing, and that's not on the spreadsheet. I have to go to my manufacturer to get. You that have to get that. Right? So so everywhere I've been uh, for the last several months since this came up and dealers are very confused. This is a this is a complex issue. We said that at the beginning because with each of these disqualifiers it means that the manufacturers have to go back and retest. Yeah. We spent as an industry manufacturers spent approximately two and a half million dollars certifying cordwood tested stones. There's a tremendous amount of data available from those tests. Um, but in in with the exception of very few isolated cases, I think everybody sort of followed the intent of the method and did it correctly. And it was just a few obscure things that weren't necessarily in the test method. It didn't say, for example, you can't cross stack fuel in your testing. It did not say that. So somebody that did that, they're advising their customer, when you use this appliance, cross stack the fuel. So it may not be typical or mostly typical of the way a person loads a wood stove. At least I don't do it that way. Yeah. Um, but as long as the test report and the owner's manual have the same instructions and same directions, then it should be approved. So as you're saying this, Chris, I'm, I'm realizing that this EPA list of the current stoves, it, it's set. Like new stoves that are coming out don't fall prey to this because they're not being tested to the to the cordwood standard. Correct. So uh, here's what I'm thinking we're going to do for, you know, for those of you who are watching this, I'm going to create this website. If you go to itsfiretime.com slash EPA list, what I'll do is I'll take the spreadsheet, I'll, I'll pre-format it so you can just already run the filters on it. And that way you can, you can, you don't have to go to the EPA website. So we'll right. do that. Anybody watching, go to itsfiretime.com slash EPA list and by the time this video comes available we'll, we'll put that out there yeah and the nice thing about excel is yeah, yeah. patrick can look just at the brands he sells yeah yeah he doesn't have to worry about he doesn't sell our products so yeah. he doesn't have to look at blaze king's issues or yeah. no issues he yeah. just looks at the products that the brands that he sells yeah i love that well um i guess final any final just questions quick future question yeah um so if if uh so say a new product is made next year and they test it with the crib wood method and five years go by and they're going to recertify um, can I still sell that product as long as it met the Cribwood certification standards? Like, say it's 1.8, uh, or do I have to get rid of that inventory again? I'm sorry if that's if that's a. So anything I'm understanding, anything being tested now via Cribwood at 1.9 would not be eligible for renewal. Um, I don't think you're going to. That's correct. I would. I uh, actually, the EPA hasn't made a ruling. Oh, okay, that's okay. Not been asked. Okay, so we'll say current products from this date forward that's not what this this broadcast is about this that's is about this is about yeah, yeah. okay okay that, that's yeah, good because, clarification because to be fair i think manufacturers still want to be able to answer the question that regulators have about how do these perform in the real world yep um i don't know how you as a retailer are going to be able to 
allow a customer to compare that product to another product in your showroom when there's more and more variability within the methods. Uh, but there will be an FRM in the next few years, a federal reference method for testing with Cordman. Okay. EPA is committed to that. They're working on it, and uh, they're doing everything they can to reduce um, variability. They yeah. want, they need data. They need data from manufacturers. So when the manufacturers give them that data, it'll be helpful in the development of that method. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, guys, I'm super thankful that you're here. And Chris, I've said this before. I'll, I'll say it again, man. I, I don't know of anyone that is such a servant to our, our industry for protecting and, and preserving and, and working, you know, with government as needed for, for making sure that we, that we have a, a wood burning future for the communities that we serve. So thank you. And, and Patrick, thanks for being here. I hope that, you know, this is great information and uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome there, to, to there, do this. There are more people out doing this. They just don't talk a lot like me. <laughs> well, thank you guys. And uh, we hope this has been valuable for you. Again, yeah. you can go to itsfiretime.com slash EPA list. And you can get that sheet that we were sharing here today. So thank you. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Chris Newfeld and Patrick Ryan. It was very eye-opening for me. And you probably heard as we were going through it, a lot of this information for me, I was processing in real time. Often there's bits of hearsay that go around. And and even as I was preparing for this, I didn't fully understand the gravity of it in, until we actually got into the conversation. And so truly, I, I mean, I can't stress how important this is. If you're in the United States and you sell wood-burning products, this is an episode that you should send out to your HPBA affiliate, to your sales reps, and to your fellow retailers and distributors. And I was trying to think of the best analogy for it, but I mean, this is the truth, and I, I might get in trouble for saying this, but this is the truth, that right now, every wood appliance in your barn that is either cordwood tested or crib wood tested at 1.9 or 2 grams per hour or has been audited by the EPA and deficiencies that are moderate or major have been found in the test results, every one of those appliances that's in your barn right now has a definitive expiration date. And you don't know when it is. It might be four years, but it might be one year. And you don't know until you have the conversation. Now, I want to be really clear. There is no gray area in this. Every single one of those products is expiring. And the best example I can think of is if you own a grocery store and you sell fruit and you buy the fruit from the farmers or the fruit packager or whoever, that fruit has a definitive expiration date in the sticker that goes on it. But all of those products for you do not have that sticker, but it doesn't change the fact that there's an expiration date. Now, if you can have responsible business conversations with your manufacturers and distributors about this issue, you can get way ahead of it. Just like with the 2020 NSPS, right? We all knew that the date was coming and we worked together so that the issue didn't cripple our industry. What I'll tell you here though, is that you don't know until you have the conversation. Now, the first thing I'll say is that Many manufacturers in our industry are responsible. They're trying to do the right thing and they will work with you on this as the date gets closer. But one thing I will say, just being honest, is that over the last couple of weeks, as I've been doing my due diligence on this issue, a number of retailers have started the conversation with their manufacturers and the results have not always been good. In one instance, an unnamed manufacturer said this, and I quote, I'm reading from the email that was sent to the person asking, quote, we are not required to provide the certificate for EPA units. Wow. I mean, you know, as, as I look at that, like, that's not something that you say to a partner. Now, while that's an instance of a company giving a response that I think is inadequate, there's other retailers that I've been in touch with that have had conversations with manufacturers that have gone really well. And the manufacturers have been very proactive on working with them and getting them this information so that everybody's on the same page as they move forward. Now, I want to give you another example of a response that a retailer I know got back from one of their manufacturers. And they said... 
We have nothing close to expiring. There are industry guidelines in place for manufacturers to inform distributors and retailers prior to expiration. Now, I get that. And as you ask about this issue, I have a feeling that that's going to be a stock response that you get. But the thing I'll say, again, most of the people giving these responses have no idea what's going on. So be very graceful in this, right? Don't hold it against them, but push for a better answer. Because here's the thing. Manufacturers don't know how much inventory you have in your barn if you're a retailer, right? A distributor, maybe they'd have a better idea, but they likely don't. So in the supply chain, we have three levels, right? We have manufacturers, retailers, and distributors. And the rules on this are very clear. There is no sell-through. So it's not fair for one of those three parties to lord all of the information. You know, instead, we just need to open up the communication between us and make sure that we can deal with this inventory responsibly, just like we did in 2020. Finally, there is talk of how this is propaganda from catalytic-only manufacturers and their desire to paint their competition as non-compliant. And I'm just going to say that is absolute garbage. If you hear that, that is absolutely not true because every manufacturer is in the same boat. Every single one is in the same boat, right? The EPA can audit anybody's test and serve you with minor, moderate, or major deficiencies. So there's nothing in this conversation that is propaganda or one company trying to get over another company. It's simply, this is the information. And guys, it's not new. We are 10 months into this, right? I mean, this is information that was laid out in December of last year. So I want to make those things very clear as you go into this. But the thing I will stress above everything is have a business conversation and show grace. Because again, many of the people you're talking to may not be in the loop of what's going on, and it may be difficult to get the answers that you need. But the thing I'll say is that there are a lot of responsible manufacturers in our industry that will have this conversation with you. Before I sign off, I want to clarify two final points. One of them is you may hear talk about how we're going to get our stuff retested. Even though it was tested with cordwood, we will retest it with crib fuel. And the answer is that's great for all of your serial numbers going forward. It does not help any of your serial numbers going back, the stuff that's in your warehouse. It does not help that. I want to be super clear with that. You also might hear that there's going to be a lawsuit involved with EPA. And I mean, the question I'll ask is, how do you think that's going to go? I mean, like Chris said in the interview, they're not forced anywhere to renew any certification. It's just something that they've done. So serving them with a lawsuit to me does not sound like the best idea. And I just can't imagine that ending very well besides wasting a ton of money. The final thing is you might hear something along the lines of industry deficiencies have not yet been resolved with EPA and there's no hard and fast rules in place to deal with them. And that's true in the sense that EPA has not audited every single model of every single stove that's been tested at this point in time. And so there very well may be plenty of stoves on the market that will be audited and deficiencies will be found. But at this moment in time, that is not known. That's a totally true statement. The the second half of it, though, about how there are no hard and fast rules in place yet to deal with them, that's that's not true. There are hard and fast rules And it's kind of like the IRS. You've been audited and you either need to prove that these testing deficiencies are not deficiencies or your certification is in jeopardy. And it's the EPA that gets to make that call. It's really that simple, right? So when it comes to the deficiencies, that information will come out, I hope, as it becomes made known. But by us starting the conversation now, we can band together on this. And and truly, I mean, over the last five, six years, guys, the, the divide between retailers, distributors, manufacturers, and even the HPBA has been growing. We have all been becoming more and more siloed. 
And I think that this is an amazing opportunity to come together. We did this in 2020, and this is something that we can do together, right? We can build bridges. We can help each other move through this inventory, and we can protect our industry. At the end of the day, there are so many threats to our industry. The last thing on earth we should do is point the guns inward and start cherry picking, you know, this manufacturer or the HPBA or this distributor. I mean, we, we got to come together and realize that we offer incredibly clean burning solutions that make major differences in the lives and the air quality of the families and the communities we serve. And we've got to stick together on it. So you can tell I've got a lot of thoughts and I think that the message is to start the conversation. Like I mentioned earlier, if you want to go to the website, it's firetime.com slash EPA list. You can download a spreadsheet of all of the EPA certified wood appliances on the market. And we have highlighted every single one that was tested by cordwood or by crib fuel, but is 1.9 or two grams per hour. Those ones are a guarantee that they will be sunset. And, and guys, this is like two-thirds, just about, of the wood stoves and appliances that are approved today. It's a lot. You can download that list at itsfiretime.com slash EPA list. You can also get the video recording of this conversation. And that's something that you're welcome to share with other people to make sure that everybody is in the loop. So I know that this episode was different than a normal one, but we felt like this information was really important to get out. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this conversation. So next week, we're going to jump back into episode one of season nine, and we are really, really pumped for what's ahead. But for now, start the conversation and make sure that we're all in it together because at the end of the day, we are partners, we're in it together, and If we're not sticking up for each other, who will? We'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website, itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by InBloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. I'm all in to burn in. And-